for all that are here, we can please stand. So good to see everybody here. Thank you for joining us. We love you all with all of our hearts. Amen. I'm Pastor Berto, one of the pastors here at MPI Church. And right about now, we're going to get ready to worship. But beforehand, let's give it up for Salvador. He's going to testify. Let's give him up. Good morning, everybody. Uh, I'm Salvador. I'm uh, one of the elders here in Metro. I'm here to give you my testimony. Well, I just want to tell you how blessed I am, you know. Right now, I'm driving a 1995 uh, car, old car, you know. It's broken down. It's not reliable. Um, we had to move into a smaller, kind of like old year apartment. But, you know, I'm so blessed. Because blessing is not about what I drive, what I wear. It's not something that I earned, something that I had to do to get from God. You know, he can help but to bless me because I'm a child of God. And that's just, you know, that, that's what I'm, I, I want to share my testimony, how, how blessed I am. Blessing is not, like I say, what, what, what we drive, what we, the house we live in, it's not. Blessing is uh, having God in your life, having that peace, having that love, having that, that, that yeah, the peace, you know, you come home, you, you have your daughter, you have your kids, you have your, your family all together. It's a small apartment, but it's full of love, and the peace of God is there. That's a blessing. And having God hearing you pray is when you go through trials and to things like that. That's a blessing. You know, having God in your side is a blessing. It's not, what I, it's not what we do, it's not what we have, it's not what we show. It's what God has for us, you know. And one thing that I, I really think about, like, I think it's not what we get from God, but how we, how can we glorify God with those blessings that he gave us? Because it doesn't matter how much we do, what we do, he's still going to bless us. So I have this uh, scripture that I really like. It's in Jeremiah 17, 7. It says, uh, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. Amen. So I just want to pray. Amen. Uh, all right, Father God, I thank you for your blessings, God. We thank you for your goodness, Lord. Oh, God, you, you, can, you can just help. Lord, Lord, you just want to bless us. You just want to pour your spirit on us, Lord, because you love us, because you are a great God. We thank you, Lord, for your spirit. We thank you for your goodness, your grace, your mercies, God. Everything that is good comes from you, Lord. We thank you. We praise your name, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand clap. Heavenly Father, we love you. And we're excited to be here today, God. Lord, we know it's raining outside and it's going to rain all day. But that's not going to stop us from praising you. We are here, Lord, to praise your name. Who's here to praise the name of God this morning? Guess what? It's about to rain in this place right now. It's about to rain his presence, his glory. Amen. And if you want to get drenched, I want you to approach the altar right now because you're going to get soaked in the glory. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, say, I'm going to get soaked in the glory. Come on, you can do it. <laughs> are we excited? I said, are we excited?
running around like a fool. He embarrassed his wife. His wife was like, oh, Lord, what is this man doing in his mantis, praising the Lord? He said, I will become even more undignified than this. You think there's no dignity in my praise? You think there's no dignity in my dancing? I will get crazier for God. Okay? So here we are in the presence of the Lord in this place. He doesn't come in an ark anymore. He doesn't come in a pillar of fire. He is in you right now. His presence is in your being. You are the holy temple of Jesus Christ. Do you not have more reason now to praise like David praised? Do you now have more reason to get crazy and undignified in this place? I want you guys to be loose. I loose them, Father. Father God, I loose them right now to praise you like they've never praised you before. Father God, I pray that the spirit of David and the prophets, God, will come upon them right now. That they would not care what they look like. That they would not care about their dignity and what other people think. But they would let loose and praise you with a crazy dance. Now when I count to three, this beat is going to drop. And you're going to drop too in the glory. Amen. You're going to drop in like it's hot in the presence of the Lord. Are you ready? Who's ready? Okay. I'm not convinced they're ready. So here you go, brother. You. You're, you're excited. Come here. So he's going to, if you don't know what it's supposed to look like, he's going to give you a little example, okay? Because you're like, well, what did, what did David do? I don't know what he did. He's going to give you an example right now. Go. Two. Okay, I think you're ready, alright. You guys are in anticipation now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. One, two, three, go! You are alive nothing is in your place. You are only your love is set us away. Come on, you're getting it. You are alive in us. Nothing can save your place. Come on, more, yo, more. Yo, 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 Oh, 
Surrender.
Church, fill this place with praise right now. Choose Him right now. Choose Him right now.
Spirit, manifest your heaven presence right now. Holy Spirit, move right now in this place. Continue to move in our hearts. Give us words of encouragement, Holy Ghost. Come on, if you've been baptized with the Holy Ghost in fire, just start to speak in that heavenly language right now because it comes from heaven. It comes from heaven for you, yes. Like manna, like manna coming from heaven. It manifests for you. It's a feast of manna for you. Fill our tummies, Lord, with your presence. Jesus, God, we, we lift you up in this place. Be lifted high, Lord. Yes. We come today to praise you, Lord, yes. to give you the glory, the honor, the praise, Lord. You are worthy, God. You said you would never leave us nor forsake us. You said, lo, I am with you to the very ends of the age. Thank you, God, because you are around us, God. You are here with us. Your presence is here. Your presence is here, God. You are not a father that abandons us, God. You are here, Lord. You are here in this place, God. You are in our lives. Oh, Lord, we seek you. We want more of you, God. Jesus. Just, just let the Lord speak to you just quickly, just uh, one moment right now. The Lord just wants to speak to you right now. We give him praise. We give him adoration. And, and we love him rightly so, but he loves us so much too. He just wants to give you specifically a word. Jesus, God, I thank you for what you're doing within this church, within the lives of the disciples here, Lord the people that we reach out to, the neighborhoods, the, the, the high schools, communities, the workplaces, God. You are there, God. You're meeting the lost there, Lord. You're reconciling the people who have left, God, and you are reconciling them back to you. Where people are becoming born again, where there's transformation that is happening, God. We thank you for what you're doing in this city, God. We don't need false hope through, through a, a politician's lies, God. We don't need false hope through somebody saying they got a new way to do something that's going to really re revitalize Chicago. No, we know the answer, God, and it is you, Jesus. 
We thank you, God, for what you're doing in this place, God, in this city, God, in these streets, God. Oh, Lord, we ask that you would continue to have your way, God. Move within our midst, God. In Jesus' name. And everybody said. And everybody said. Hallelujah. Awesome, awesome. You guys can find your way back to your seats. We can dismiss the king's kids. My name is Ellie. I'm one of the, the pastors here on staff, and I want to share with you the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you have not received the Lord, then I want you to hear the next few moments about what I have to share with you. If you have a Bible, if not, you can look at the screen. Go to Titus chapter 3, verse 4. I have bad news and I have good news. Everybody say news. All right. Today I want to start with the bad news. The bad news became bad. It shouldn't have become bad, but it became bad. And I want to start off by saying that everybody here is created by God, designed by God to have a relationship with God. You did not come out by random chance. You are not star stuff. You are not pangu. You're not any of that. You were created by God to have a relationship with God, to experience God, to know what he, who he is, and to live the life that he wants to have for you. Unfortunately, though, man has fallen away from God. We have turned away from the goodness of our Lord, and we have done our own things. And because of that, we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And God is a holy God. He's a righteous God. And when he sees that we sin, when we do the bad things, he automatically says, I have to now have justice. I have to have justice. I have to do something. This sin cannot go unpunished. It's a crime before me. I need to have it put before the court and because of the sins we are rightfully due hell we all know what hell is like we all hear about hell we all know that it's fire it's brimstone it's all the things that we can think of suffering for eternity that's what hell is when we reject an eternal God we receive an e eternal punishment but everybody say but God you see we could have had that. That would have been our, our, our thing. That would have been our actual condition, where we would have gone, our destiny. But here in Titus chapter 3, verse, seven is, uh, verse 4 says, But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. You see, God did not just let it just be there. He didn't let the story end there. Oh, you're sentenced to hell and that's it. No, he didn't let it just end there. He said, you know what? My kindness, my love is better than that. I'm going to send them a Savior. I'm going to let them have mercy. I'm going to give them mercy. All they need to do is just accept my son. All they need to do is accept who Jesus is, what he did on the cross for. He took our punishment in our place. When we should have done it, when we should have been punished for what we did, Jesus took it. That's what the cross is. It's not just something that we just talk about on Christmas and Easter. No, we do it more than that. We live by it. We go by it. We are born again by the cross. We are born again by this great and awesome God who is kind and who is loving, who is full of mercy. The question is, will you accept him? Will you accept him today?
Will you accept the good news of Jesus Christ? Everybody, please stand up. If you want to give your life to the Lord, if you want to rededicate, if you want to go through discipleship, anything of that sort we have in this church, we're going to have Joselito and Pastor Griselda, and they'll be there to pray for you during our fellowship time. But we're going to pray, and then today we're going to do communion as well. So let's pray first, and then we'll do that. Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you. We thank you for your cross. We thank you for your grace and for your mercy, Lord. Oh, God, who, who am I, God, that, that you would save me, Lord? I'm just a man, God. You are the eternal God, the King of kings. You are majesty. You are royalty. You are perfect. You are holy, God. Who am I, God, that you would have saved me, Lord? God, we just thank you, God, for everything that you have been doing within this church, God. And I ask you right now, God, that you would continue to reach out to those that are lost, who are in need of salvation, God. You do it in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. It is our tradition here to do communion the first of the month. And we are actually going to do that right now. So if the, pa uh, the ushers have not passed them out to you, if everyone sh should have this right now in front of them. And can you help me out with this? Please, thank you. There's only so much I can do with one hand. If everyone look at the, at the, the screen, this is what we're, we're following today. And 1 Corinthians chapter 11, ver uh, verse 23 to 25 says this. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. This is right here, the early times of the church, when Jesus was with his disciples. On just the night that he was going to get betrayed, on the night that he was going to be put into the hands of the, his captors, he was with his disciples and he said, look, this is what I'm doing for you. This is what I'm doing for you. My body, I'm giving up my life for you. I'm giving up this body here for you. I'm going to be put through a gruesome death for you. He said, but you know, I don't want you just to, just to feel bad about this. I want you to do this in remembrance. I want you to do this frequently, to remember what I did in your life. Remember how I saved you. So in this place right now, I'm going to pray. And if you need to make things right with the Lord or if you, are, if you just want to give it back to God right now, to remember what he did on the cross, let's just do that and then we'll receive the elements together. Jesus, I can, I can imagine what, how you said it, Lord. I can imagine what the disciples felt. God, it's not by our righteous works, God. It is what you did, the free gift that you gave us, God. I thank you, Lord, for, for saving me. You know where I would have been, God, if you hadn't saved me. You know where the, everybody in this room would have been, God, if you hadn't saved them, God. God, I just thank you so much, Jesus. I thank you for your sacrifice. 
Because it's not that we just had a new, a new program to get better in our lives, God. No, we've been transformed. We've been made right. We have a real relationship with you, God. We are in direct alignment with you because of your son, Jesus, and what he did on that cross, God. Right now, if you would, you can just take the wafer. This is the body that he gave for us. And would you just take that with us together? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your body, God. We know that we don't do this. We don't do this because it's actually your body, God. We just do this in remembrance, God, a symbol of, of what you did. And I'll take the grape juice. Jesus said, this is my blood poured out for the new covenant that washes us clean and makes us white as snow. Would you take that right now together? Hallelujah, Lord. And as we remain standing, we just want to sing this chorus right now. Just to give back to God, just to go after God now. This whole entire thing is worship unto God. We are loving God, praising Him for what He did in our lives. Jesus, move within our church, God. Move within our church, Lord. The cross you beckon me, draw me gently to my knees, and I am lost for words. So I'm lost in love, I am sweetly broken, holy surrendered at the cross. religious thing right now. Don't let it just pass by right now. This communion is not just, just tradition for tradition's sake right now. We are honoring our God and our Lord right now. We're saying thank you for the cross, God. Thank you for that gift, God. Thank you, God. We come to you wholly surrendered, God. We come to you wholly surrendered saying, God, what you did in my life, God, you saved me, God. What you did, oh my Lord. Wash me clean, wash my soul, uh, wash me as clean as white as snow, God. My sins you don't remember anymore, God. They're blotted out, God. They're not there anymore, Lord. They're not there anymore, God. You've made me holy. You've made me whole, God. Oh, Jesus. Come on, this is in this place right now. Just, just give him some praise right now. Jesus. You are a transforming God. Oh, Lord, you are forgiving God. Oh, Lord, it's not for tradition's sake. It's not for religion's sake, God. Our hearts are contrite before you. Jesus. We thank you, God. Just thank, just thank him in your own words. Now, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. 
God, we just thank you for this time of the gospel and the communion, God. We ask that you would continue to have your way throughout the rest of the service, God, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, awesome, awesome, amen. All right, we're going to do our confession of faith. We do this every week as well because we want to just recite the things that we believe in faith. We believe uh, how God is doing things in our life, the, our real worldview. We don't have a worldly worldview. We have a Christian worldview, right? We have a biblical worldview. So on the count of three, repeat after me. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Woo! Hallelujah. All right, you can greet your neighbor. Let's have some fellowship.
Amen. Who's feeling the love this morning? Come on. From Jesus and from each other. Thank you, worship team, for ushering us in to the presence of God. I felt the joy of the Holy Ghost. It was an awesome time worshiping the Lord. And we are so thankful that each and every one of you have chosen Metro Praise International to worship God this morning. We welcome you on behalf of all the leaders and all of the pastors. Thank you. We are so grateful that you came to join us for church this morning. Our services here at MPI are every Sunday at 10 a.m. and at 1 p.m. And then Fridays we have Elevate every week at 7 p.m. for ages 11 to 18 years old. So that is our youth service, and they're rocking it out for Jesus. I have very important announcements for you this morning, so let's just take a look at these slides as they come up. Our Puerto Rican Festival Outreach, come on, make some noise for that. It's going to be Saturday, June 20th from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. We want everybody to come on out and let's get ready to preach the gospel on the streets of Chicago. This is our city. We own this city. Jesus owns this city, and we're going to go snatch them out of the fires of hell. Come on, who's with me? Then the week right after that, we have Discovering Your Purpose. This is very, very important. We want you to mark down all these dates in your calendars. The very following week after that Boricua Fest outreach, where we're going to leave it out on the streets and pour it out. We're going to get a refreshing from Papa G. Somebody say, Papa G. This is Pastor Gary Grogan. He is a pastor in Champaign-Urbana. He has been a part of Joe's life for many years, my life for many years, practically since I got saved. And um, he's going to come and bring a powerful word. We're going to have a Friday service. We're going to join with the youth group June 26 at 7 p.m. We want all your lost family and friends to come out for this service. It's going to be an outreach service. He's going to bring the boom. He's going to bring the fire. So invite as many friends and family members as you can for Friday, June 26 at 7 p.m. And then Saturday, uh, Sunday, that weekend, we're going to have our normal Sunday, 10 a.m. and 1 p.m., but he's going to preach and he's going to impart to us the fire of God and just us discovering our purpose. How many of you guys want to discover your purpose on this earth? So we are so pumped and excited to have him with us. It is an honor to have him preach here at Metro Praise. And then next month, July, we're all getting ready for some fun in the sun. Who's excited about some fun in the sun? I know I am. We're not going to beg you to go have fun. So we'll go have fun without you if you don't want to go, okay? But if you want to have fun, join us Friday, July 31st through Saturday, August 1st. It's going to be a great time. More information can be given to you on the website, or you can see myself or Pastor Griselda after the service. Amen. Our vision here at Metro Praise is very simple. It's loving God and loving people, the two greatest commandments Jesus gave to us. And then we have a discipleship strategy here that's three steps. It's connect, mentor, and send. The way that we connect you to the church, connect you to Jesus, is through our life groups. Somebody say life groups. On the back of your handout, we have the schedule for this quarter. We encourage you, find a place to belong. Find a life group to call your own because we have so many different types of life groups to meet your family's needs. And this is a snapshot of what we have happening just this week, starting today, Sunday. Our marriage group is meeting. Come on, married folks. Get excited for that. Child care is going to be included. 6 p.m., the address is right there. Wednesday, we have King's Kids. Every week, infants who are 11 years old at 6.30 come drop them off for Royal Rangers Boys Club and Impact Girls Club. 
And then every week on Fridays, we have two adult Bible studies that happen at the same time. So we want to keep blowing these up, keep inviting your friends, your coworkers, your families, your neighbors. Go grab some random person off the street that has nowhere to go and bring them to this life group, okay? It is going to be at the Govea's house and the Walker's house, two happening on the same day, 18 years and up, 7 p.m. We have got to be there. It's a fresh word from heaven. We're going to have a Bible study. You get to build lasting friendships, lasting relationships in the church. You're not meant to walk your walk with Jesus by yourself. And then Saturday, we have our evangelism. All ages are welcome. We meet at the church every week at 5 p.m. Pastor Jared leads that team, and we go out preaching the gospel. If you've never do it, if you've never done it, you've got to do it, okay? And then we want to mentor you. Somebody said mentor. We're going to take you through the 101, welcome to your new life, seven steps to spiritual growth. When you graduate 101, you get to the 201, disciples that make disciples. This is where we train you to be a leader, to be a leader that God is destined for you. And then we want to send you out to keep on preaching, to keep on winning souls. And then our goal here is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches in the city and 500 around the world. If you believe we can do that by God's grace and power, say amen. And we welcome you to join us with that. God can't do it with just one person. He'll start with one, but we need to keep adding to that one. Amen. And we all have a purpose to play in that. Woohoo, I'm excited. Let's get ready to learn about offerings, shall we? You can look up to the screen. You can also turn to your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 9:12. That's going to be our main verse for today. We are on section 2 of the Disciples Giving book. This is lesson 9. Offerings supply the ministry. And we're learning all about offerings in this section which is a gift to God given after our tithe. So the tithe is first, 10% of our total income. The offering is amount after the tithe. Let's read in 2 Corinthians 9.12. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. When we give our offering, it is an expression of thanks unto our God. Here are the three main points of that verse. Number one, service you perform. Giving offerings is a charitable service that God expects us to perform with a cheerful heart because we have been blessed by the best. How many have been blessed by the best? I know I have. That is why each believer should prayerfully seek God for his or her best contribution. It's not going to be the same amount for everybody. God may ask one person to give more, the other person to give less, but God knows our hearts. He knows what we have, and when it's time to sacrifice, give more, and when we seek God in prayer through relationship, it's going to meet the need of the body of Christ, amen, all around the world. Number two, supplying the needs. When offerings are given to trusted leadership in the church, they will disperse the funds to meet the needs of God's people. For example, when you give to missions, the church guarantees that it will reach the intended people and supply the work of the gospel. We guarantee you on behalf of the elders at MPI that every penny given to towards missions is given to the mission field for God's glory. Number three, overflowing expressions of thanks. Every time we give offerings to supply the needs in the ministry, it results in many expressions of thanksgiving to God. All around the world, with one voice, we cry out in thanksgiving to God for what we are all able to do to reach the lost for Jesus. And here's a summary. 
be confident that when you give offerings in church, you're supplying the needs of God's work upon the earth. Here's the application. Number one, continue to be a faithful tither. Two, pray and ask God to help you perform the service of supplying the church's ministerial needs. And three, be thankful that you get the chance to help hurting people and give them the gospel. That's the number one goal, preaching the gospel, taking care of their needs, and we all do that together as we give towards offering. Let's recite this confession over our life together. On the count of three, one, two, three. The offering is a gift to God after the tithe and is given in a variety of ways. God said it should be a generous seed given with a cheerful heart from personal sacrifice. Offerings will always bring thanksgiving to God because they go towards charity and ministry supplies. We give offerings in obedience to God's word, sharing with others our blessings with a gracious heart by imitating Jesus and revealing where our treasure really is. If you're ready to give God your best this morning, please stand up to your feet with me as we prepare to give our tithes and offerings. Again, MPI, at MPI, we believe that a tithe is a 10% of your total income. We give to missions also, which supply the needs of various mission projects throughout the year. And we have right here building offerings. Let's see if you guys pay attention to the fine print. Gifts above your tithe to help purchase a new sign for the church. Here we go. Here we go. Drum roll, please. MPI Building Sign Fund. As we enter into this half, the second half of this year, we want to rally together, guys, to get our brand new lit up, shining in the dark, Metro Praise International Sign. If you're excited about that, clap it up for Jesus. Because that is going to be now our second phase for the year of our building fun. You guys have given so generously from January to May. In May, we raised a little over $1,400 for this beauty right here, 12-passenger van, to keep reaching out to Chicago, picking up people for church. And, uh, and in total, our goal was to raise 8000 We raised over 8100 Okay, so that was your generosity, our generosity together as a body of Christ meeting the need. And so that sign is going to be our next thing. And just imagine across our whole storefront, a lit up sign for all Chicago to see so that we could be a beacon of light to the city. So it's going to look legit. Somebody say too legit to quit. Come on. We also have two other options for giving to make it convenient for you. You can do it online or in the back. And let's recite this Bible verse together. Luke 6, 38, Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you so much for your generosity to us. And we, in turn, we give you our best because we are blessed by the best. We give you our tithe today. We give you our offering, oh God, to supply the needs of the church, to give to missions, God, to reach the hurting and the hopeless, God, to preach the gospel to them. I ask, oh Lord, that you would send your blessing, not only on Metro Praise, but all the churches in the city as we rally together to win a city, a nation, and all the nations of the world for you. I ask, oh God, that this would be a sweet aroma to you, oh God, an offering of thanksgiving. We bless you and we thank you, King of kings and Lord of lords. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Please come forward as you give this morning, and thank you for your generosity.
It's all about that grace, about that grace, no devil. All about that grace, about that grace, no devil. All about that grace, about that grace, no Come on. All about that grace, about Come on, if you about that grace, say it's all about that grace, about that grace, no devil. Come on, bop your shoulders a little bit. No devil. We're all about that grace, about that grace, no devil. We're all about that grace. Come on, one more time. We're all about that grace, about that grace, no devil. We all about that grace, about that grace, no devil. We all about that grace, about that grace, no devil. We all about that grace, about that grace. Come on, give it up for Jesus and his grace. Amen. Open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. I'm so happy that you're here this morning. Look at your neighbor and say, it's all about that grace. Amen. We are starting a new series here in June, and guess what it's about? Say what it's about, saints. Grace. It's all about grace. Once you find your passage in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, I double-dog dare you to post up on Facebook, it's all about that hashtag grace. Tell somebody right now it's all about that grace. Come on, tell somebody on Facebook, Twitter it, Instagram it. YouTube it. It's all about grace. From start to finish, the Christian life is about grace. It's always been about grace. Religion has tried to come in and confuse us, but it never stopped being about grace. An error can't take away the truth. Just because a child writes the wrong answer to the equation 2 plus 2, maybe they put 5, that doesn't mean it stops being 4. Are you listening to me? Just because Father Tom said you had to confess and had to pray the rosary, that didn't mean grace ever stopped being grace. Are you listening to me? You don't need to have religion. You don't even need a pastor to have Jesus. All you need is the grace of God. Church and Sunday school and all of these things are by the grace of God, for the grace of God, others that they may be saved. Amen? So I don't need religion, but God gave us a church by his grace. So I'm thankful for the church. Can everybody say amen? I don't have a religion. I have a what? A relationship with Jesus through the grace of God. How many know I pick on Father Tom quite a bit, but I love Father Tom. Father Tom needs to get free and get married. Amen? By God's grace, he can get married if he wants to. Wouldn't that be great? Father Tom can get free wherever you are, Father Tom. I just use him as an example. If you're with me in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, somebody say, I'm there. Amen. This is the series text for the whole month. The whole month of June, we are going to be learning about grace. Here is the text that I want you to study on, meditate, read it by yourself at home, get it on audio. How many have smartphones? You can get an Android app or an Apple app, either one, that has the Bible, and you can listen to it all by yourself every day if you wanted to. As a matter of fact, because I'm that cool, I'm going right now to my Bible app, and I'm going to play this out for you right now. How many want to do that? Two of you. That's okay. I'm still doing it because it's, it's cool to do this. I want to show you that you guys could go in your car. How many of you have a car? Amen. You could go in your car and put this in your car. How many of you have uh, public transportation, a bus car? Okay. You could put headphones on as you go on to the bus. This is what you do. You go to your Bible app. You put in Ephesians chapter 2. You go to the audio section, and you just let that bad boy play out. Talk to me. You know what? 
whenever my car is around Bluetooth, it picks it up. Does anybody do have that problem with Bluetooth? I'll be on the phone in my house. My wife will start the car, and all of a sudden I'll lose the conversation, and they're talking to my children in the minivan, okay? Let me just take it off Bluetooth. It does work. Watch. It does work. As I thought it was going to work. So here it is. In which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. We'll get to verse 8 in a minute. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, Put it up carrying a bit, out please. the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, yes. like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, yes. made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved there through faith. That's it. And this is not your own doing. Yes. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Amen. Everybody say amen. Oh, praise God. Put that on. You can do that 24-7. You find a Bible app. If you don't know how to do it, see uh, Nancy, my wife, or Griselda in the back at the info table. They'll show you how to find a Bible app. Put it on in your car. If you can put uh, headphones on at your job, put it on and be encouraged this month by the whole book of Ephesians. But if you just had to pick a chapter, because literally we could listen to that whole chapter, I think, in 35 seconds, 60 seconds, right? But listen to it. Get it in your spirit. How many want to be about that grace this month? Amen. How many happy I got a job? I got to get to work and read this myself now. Amen. I can't just let a guy read it for me. I got to read it myself. You all ready? Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Look at your neighbor and say, you're the handiwork of God. You are the handiwork of God. God is chiseling you. God is working on you. God is designing you. And God needs to help some of you with your haircuts. No, I'm just kidding. But God is working on us. Amen. How many have had some funny haircuts? You just got to look back on yourself and say, what was I thinking? You all remember when I was growing out my hair long, trying to do the Justin Bieber thing? It's like, what was I thinking? But I want to tell you what God is working on the inside of us. And it's not that he is trying to save us. We've already been saved. But what he's doing is revealing to us the salvation that we've already been given. He's showing us the mind of Christ that we've already been given, the fruit of the Spirit that's already been given. So it's not like you're doing to be. You're being, and then because of being, you can do. Christianity is not about doing. It's about being. I am being saved by Christ. I am being transformed by Christ. And because of who I be, I can do what I do. Y'all heard me? Are you with me? That's what it's like to love Jesus, is to be a child of God. Okay, which, which, what happens first? Does Bethany do the chores around my house as my daughter, or does she first be my child? What comes first? She becomes my child first, then she learns household chores, right? 
And hallelujah, how many are happy Jesus ain't just about chores, amen? How many know there's some fun in God's house? How many are glad to be in God's house here, and then you take his temple everywhere you go, and it's a good day with Jesus? What, what? Amen. Let's get some definitions here. Let's get some definitions. Let's learn about grace. I want to give you three definitions of grace. Maybe next week I'll break them down into the three, but they're hidden within here. I want to give you the first, the big theological answer. This comes uh, from the dictionary that we use in theological schools, okay? So it's a little deep. It's on your notes, always on the blog, Facebook. You can get this and look at it later. You don't have to write it all down. But I want to give you this big definition of grace because it is so big. Grace is not just one-sided. It's like a diamond. When you look at it, it's multifaceted. And I want you to have a rich definition of grace. Are you all ready for this? Okay. In the Greek, the word grace is katis. Everybody say katis. Or without the, you know, the, the Greek, uh, you know, accent there, everybody say charis. Amen. This is the definition of, uh, rather, this is the Greek word for grace. And here is the definition that encompasses all of the full meaning of grace as you look through the scripture it is particularly that which causes joy pleasure gratification favor acceptance for a kindness granted or desired a benefit thanks gratitude everybody say gratitude Thank you. A favor done without expectation of return. The absolutely free expression of the loving kindness of God to men. Finding its only motive in the bounty and benevolence of the giver. This is an expression of God that's given to men only because of God's great bountiful benevolence. God is not giving us grace so that we give him something back. God is not doing it in return of something. He's doing it because it's who he is. He can't help but give grace because grace emanates from his character. That's the big definition. It includes all of that. Joy, pleasure, gratification, desire, a benefit, favor, without expectation of return, a free expression of the loving kindness of God. Are you, are you all tracking? That's deep. Everybody go deep. Now here is the second one, which is quite popular in the body of Christ, and it's, it, it's good. It's just short and simple. It is unearned and unmerited favor. Everybody say this with me. One, two, three. Unearned and unmerited favor. And if you don't know what the word favor means, it means gift. So it's an unearned gift. You don't earn a gift. At Christmas, did you have to earn that gift? No, someone gives you that gift on your birthday. Do you have to earn that gift? Most of us don't. How many don't have to earn gifts? Are you happy you don't have to earn gifts? Parents, you might make your kids earn some gifts. I'm not getting you that for Christmas unless you clean the room or something, right? But most of us, how many get gifts and don't have to earn them? Okay, that is the definition of grace, an unearned gift. But here's the trick here in this definition, or rather the nuance that we need to see. It's also unmerited. See, you merit your Christmas gift by 
being in that family. You don't get your neighbor's Christmas gift or somebody off in Indiana, you know, they don't give you a Christmas gift. You don't merit that. But you see, God's gift is unmerited. It is given to the entire world. And some might say, well, pastor, well, some people are going to hell. That is true, and that's because they have rejected, pushed back the free gift of God. But grace has already been given. Every time a sinner comes to get saved, Jesus doesn't have to die again. He just says it was paid in full 2,000 years ago. So everybody's sins are already forgiven. Everybody's debt's been paid. Hello, somebody. Everybody. Even the worst of the worst, even the one that you have as your enemy, whatever the person you dislike the most or has done the worst things to you, their debts have already been paid. My debt has already been paid once and for all on the cross. And it's only by faith, a simple acceptance that I receive it and get it attributed to my account. But it's unmerited. I didn't earn it. Imagine a man drowning in the water. There come the Coast Guard. They come out to save him. Imagine it's in the ocean. The waves are high. The wind are blowing. The storms are raging. The Coast Guard comes down, and he throws off the life jacket. The person grabs onto the life jacket. Have they done anything to deserve that being saved? No. Have they added to their saving? No. All they did was receive the means of salvation. All they did was receive it. They could push back the life jacket. They could push it back and say, no, let me drown. Are you with me? but just them simply receiving it. And so we don't take any credit for our salvation, but we do have a choice to receive it. The right arm of God has been stretched out to this earth through Jesus Christ, and he is wanting to save all that grab of hold of his salvation. Are you listening to me? Whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed to? It is those by faith who receive his salvation. Everybody say grace. And then the third definition, something of an acronym here to maybe help you a little bit. I know I like acronyms. They, they can help me. Here it is, grace. It is God's riches at Christ's expense. Very simple. If you want to remember it like that, God's riches at Christ's expense. Did somebody earn it and merit it for sinners? Yes, because sinners weren't supposed to get the grace of God outside of, of, of sacrifice. But Jesus provided that sacrifice, and it's not because of anything we've done. It's not because of what we ever could do. Sometimes people think we start off salvation by grace, and we get saved by grace, like we're dirty and we're in a sewer and God cleans us. But then the rest of our lives, we work it out, like we help Jesus and we become a good worker for Jesus. But that's not true. Grace starts off salvation, cleans us, and, and and grace keeps us as we work in the harvest field of God, and grace brings us already to heaven. It's not that grace ever leaves us anywhere along the line. Grace is the gas of your engine. If it's ever out, you're done. Are you listening to me? So you don't start by grace and then take it from there and say, I got it, Jesus. I got, I'll do my good works and make my way up to heaven. No, we are saved as wretched, miserable sinners by grace. We're kept as saints by grace. We go all the way to heaven by grace. How many are excited about grace? Amen. Only by the grace of God can I preach this message on grace. I'm excited. Now I want to give you two ways to look at grace. One is incorrect and one is correct. Um, Bonhoeffer, in his book on discipleship, talked about this thing called cheap grace. And the reason why I want to term it this way and the way I believe he's correct in this is because it's a less than grace. It is not a full grace. 
It is not a complete grace. It is a cheap grace. How many know you can get a real diamond ring on Milwaukee Avenue, but you could also go down Milwaukee Avenue and get a cheap, fake diamond ring on Milwaukee Avenue? How many know what I'm talking about? So when I asked Nancy to marry me, my mother gave me her wedding band, and she had gotten a new one, and I asked Nancy to marry me. We then went to Milwaukee to one of those jewelry stores right by the mega mall, praise God, and I said, can you put this on a band that she likes? Now, how many know after we bought it, I went to the hip mall to have it checked to see if I got the real deal? I did. Maybe... <laughs> You're the gringo. That's why you did that. You don't trust us. No, I'm sorry. I just checked. Did anybody else check their stuff? Okay. Did I just make myself look bad? No. Okay. How many know Milwaukee when I'm talking about the jewelry stores? Okay, I'm, I'm losing ground here. I'll just keep going forward. Anyways, I got it checked out because I wanted to make sure it was real. Because I don't know. I was, it was like it was getting a little shady in there. You know what I'm saying? It was getting a little shady. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I've already paid you the money. I'm afraid to ask for it back. Let me just get this done. And then I'm going to go over here and make sure it was real. But if it would have been fake, I would have been upset, right? There's a difference between real costly jewelry and fake cheap jewelry. Are you guys with me? Another word for cheap grace is fake grace. So there's, there's really not two kinds of grace. There's just only one, but there's one that pretends to be it, a thing that tr pretends to be it that's really not it at all. Are you guys with me? Everybody say cheap grace. It's a little hot up in here. I'm moving right along to these definitions. Here is what Bonhoeffer said. I'm taking his definition here. The cost of discipleship is where this is found. He says cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance, baptism without church discipline, communion without confession, absolution without personal confession. Cheap grace is without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. When you really look at this cheap imitation of grace, it is Christless. It doesn't have Christ in it. And how does it appear in our culture today? The grace that's cheap that appears in our culture today tells people no matter how much they sin, they can still go to heaven. Now, that could be true if we sin and truly repent. But to sin for the sake of what sin is and to use grace as a dirty rag to wash our hands on, to only sin again, grace is really not there. It's a Christless grace. It is a cheap grace because real grace cleanses you from sin. How many have a garage or a shed, something in their house that they have some rags in? How many know if you grab one of those rags out, and you're, let's say you're messing with your lawnmower, because i got to do the lawn. You know, anybody mowing lawns right now, getting some exercise? Come on. So let's say you're messing with the lawnmower. you got some gas on your hands. You grab one of those rags. How many know that rag is not going to get your hands clean enough to eat dinner with? It's not going to get you that clean. But it's going to get you clean enough to get that gas off you, right? That's what that kind of rag is. That's not a dinner napkin. It is not hand sanitizer. It's just enough to get that gook off of you to go back to what you're doing. See, that's cheap grace. 
See, real grace is like those scented baby wipes that my wife uses with the kids. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That cleans your hands spick and span. I mean, you could eat right off your hand now if you want to, and it will smell lemon-scented. It's sanitized. It's killed every germ and bacteria. Are you with me? See, God's grace is a cleansing grace, a transformation grace. Cheap grace is just a mentality that we come up with to keep living in sin. Now let's look at costly grace. Everybody say costly grace. Now if grace is costly, who did it cost the most? Jesus. It's given freely to us, unmerited to us, but it cost Jesus his life in a sacrifice. Isn't this something? Because not only does Jesus have grace for us, he has grace for the whole world. And so it had by God's justice to cost something. Judgment and grace go hand in hand. Judgment is what sins deserve. But grace is what I get because Jesus took what I deserve. Are you with me? This is how we understand it in the Bible. Now, it's costly grace is the treasure hidden in the field. That's talking about that parable of the hidden treasure. For the sake of it, a man will gladly go and sell all that he has. It is the pearl of great price to buy which... uh, the pearl of great price to buy which the merchant will sell his goods. It is the kingly rule of Christ. Everybody say kingly rule. Thank you. Thank you. It's the kingly rule of Christ for whose sake a man will pluck out his eye which causes him to stumble. It is the call of Jesus Christ at which the disciple leaves his nets and follows him. Now you say, what does that mean? That's crazy. I'm going to pluck out my eye. I'm going to sell everything I have. These are the parables Jesus taught about what it was like to get into the kingdom. If you try to work your way to heaven, you will fail. But if you give up everything for Christ, you will get his path to heaven, which never fails. And what the Bible is telling us is if your eye causes you to fail, to see the gift of God, pluck it out. If your nets and life of wealth, like the rich man in the Bible, causes you to forget your need of the grace of God, sell it all and give to the poor. Does everybody get that? It's not that you're purchasing grace. What you're doing is eliminating distractions from grace. Sometimes here in America, we're like that rich man. We're like the person that thinks we don't need a lot of grace. If you look at the Bible, there's that story of the rich man. He was a good man. He, he did a lot of good things for his family. He, com- he kept the commandments. He must have been successful to have money. Even if he was a, a, a trust fund kid, he must have did something right because he didn't squander it all like the prodigal son. So here's a wise, obedient, uh, you know, well-to-do young man, and yet Christ tells him he lacks something. And what does he lack? He lacks the ability to trust in God more than he trusts in money. So Jesus says to him to help him see that his money is only an illusion, he says, sell it all and come follow me. He wanted the rich man to know it's only an illusion. It's only an illusion. Imagine right now if I put up a stack of money 
and I leaned against it. You know, if I put up a big pallet of money, I could lean against it, right? A big pallet of money. How many would like to see a big pallet of money up here? Amen? Like, boop, boop, boop. Got to move this $20 billion somewhere. Boop, boop. Oh, let's just set it right here at Metro Praise. Okay, you guys with me? How many would be all right with them? Amen. I'll give you some. Amen. I'll give you a little bit. Okay. <laughs> don't, don't be hating. I'm not going to keep it all for myself. You know what I'm saying? There's like a hundred in there. I could share to everybody here. Okay. So there's 20 billion just stacked up gold and I'm leaning against it. Right? I can lean against it. But now imagine we jump out of a plane and that's cargo. Is that holding me up in the air? It's still money. It's still the exact same thing. But now that we're falling like this, am I able to hold up on it from the ground coming to my feet? No. You see, what God is saying, it's only an illusion because the wages of sin is death, and you're going to fall. You're going to fall. You're going to fall, and this money will not hold you up. You think right now it holds you up. You think this is what you need, but you don't need that. What you need is the grace of God. The grace of God is that parachute in the illustration. The grace of God is the foundation on which we stand. It's the grace of God wherever we are, whatever situation we're in, that saves us. Now, lest anybody think I'm saying we don't uh, make piles of money, unless you're thinking I'm saying we just sit here and all just talk about the grace of God and grow out long beards and weird stuff and, and chant grace, grace, grace all day long. I'm not saying that. Go work, but work through the grace of God, by the grace of God. Raise your family, but what? Through and by the grace of God. All that you do, do it by the grace of God. Let God strengthen you and give you meaning to what you do. Because if I don't have God showing me what grace is, how will I know how to show grace to you? How will I know to show grace to my children? Do you know that even doing good things with your children can become exasperating? Is that a word? Did I say it right? Exasperbate? Come on up here, wife, please. She's going to teach me this wonderful word. She speaks Greek and English, and I can already speak English. Can you say the word exasperbate in a way I can say it for everybody here? Exasperating. Is that it, or is that off? Okay, come on up here. You who can say it, Chris. Okay, thank you, honey. You were good. <laughs> it's exasperate. Exasperate, yes. Amen. Only at Metro Praise will you be called on to help the pastor pronounce a word. That's only here. Aren't you glad you came? This is how we have to think about grace because we can exasperate. Exasperate, exasperate. There's a P in there. Just put up the word on. Let's put up the word in the dictionary. I want to see it phonically spelled out. So, like parents, how many good parents do I have here? Right, good parents. We can make good things uh, bad things with our children if we push it too hard. That's why we need the grace of God. We need to know when to let up. We need to know when to give it. We need to know when to discipline. When not to do it. Same thing on your job. You can be right and act wrong. There we go. Let's make this large. Now, most of you can all speak another language. I can only speak English. We have people that speak Tagalog and other languages here, but yet they are probably able to say this much better than me. Let's say it together on the count of three. Eggs, aspirate. Eggs, aspirate. We can exasperate our children if we do a good thing the wrong way. 
we can exasperate our, <laughs> our relationships on the job if we do it the wrong way. How many want to move along? Let's move along. Okay, now I want you to think about this. Thank you, sir. I want you to think about this before we get to these uh, 24 attributes of grace. How many want to hear a 24-point sermon today? Amen. It's only 24. It's only 24. Could have gone to 30, but we stopped it at 24 because I know you guys have things to do today. I want you to think about this. Cheap grace is a medicine that doesn't provide the cure. Costly grace is the medicine that gives the cure. So imagine if a man made a cure to cancer. No matter what kind of cancer you had, breast cancer, skin cancer, like my friend just went and got it removed. Praise God, she's doing well. That's actually Pastor Grogan's daughter. That's Pastor Grogan's daughter I talked about last week who had skin cancer, had to immediately go in. She went for a checkup, found out it was skin cancer, and the report has come back positive that she is now negative for cancer. Amen? Praise God. Amen. And, and let us all tell him we were praying for him, those who know him when he comes. So let's say there was a doctor who made a cure for cancer. And let's say it came in a liquid form, and it was something like, you know, a NyQuil, and it had a certain amount of its potency or its medicine, it's potent, it was only potent and you know, let's say like that much, like a half an ounce or something. And if you added water to it, the water would dilute the potency of the medicine. Are you guys tracking with me? So if I had one ounce of it and I got really smart and I say, oh, I'm just going to put some water in it, dilute it and give it to two people, now it doesn't work. Are you guys tracking? When it is in its form that it was meant to be in, it has its potency, it cures the disease, take it the way it is, boom, you're cured. How many get it? Are you guys with me? You mess it up, it's no good. That's what grace is like. That is exactly what grace is like. Grace in its biblical form is the most powerful force in the Christian's life. The most powerful force. There is nothing like the grace of God. It comes from the love of God. So don't get me wrong. Love and grace aren't arm wrestling each other for the number one spot in God's heart. Grace is an expression of God's love. But it's how we understand his love. If he did not have grace, we wouldn't understand love. Like if I kept slapping you in the face saying I love you, would you really understand the definition of love? That would start to become meaningless and sick and twisted. It's because of God's grace that love means something to us when we say love. Are you with me? Okay. So watch. When we hear this world trying to dilute the grace of God, saying things like, there's no hell, that dilutes the grace of God. That dilutes it. They go, well, if God loves everybody, then there couldn't be a hell because God wouldn't send anybody there. No, no, no. You don't understand God's character then. You don't understand there's judgment with God too because God punishes sin. He's a good judge. How many know if a judge today had a murderer in front of them that murdered children or something despicable and it was called on camera and the guy's even crazy enough to confess he did it and yeah, he did. If the judge just goes, slaps him on the wrist, says, don't do that again. How many know that's a bad judge? He lacks justice. Justice is an innate understanding in all of our conscience minds. We understand it. Somebody steps on your shoe and doesn't say sorry. You, you understand something was violated. Someone takes something from you, you know something was violated, right? We even made a whole, uh, you know, superstar, uh, superhero movie about this, the uh, Avengers. What are the Avengers doing? The Avengers are bringing about justice. And then there's another one called the Justice League. Are you guys with me? Okay, so we, uh, we understand this. But in God's world, in God's economy that rules this world, the, the, the kingdom of God, justice has been served through Jesus. 
So here's the deal. You either get what you deserve or you get what Christ deserves. Think of it this way. Because Christ suffered innocently, he deserves a name that's above every name. He deserves a place at the right hand of the Father and a kingdom. He deserves that. So you either get what you deserve. The wages of sin is death. So you either get what you deserve, your punishment, or you get to be a co-inheritor with Christ and get what he deserves. And why is this? Because Take the example of the murderer. Jesus steps in and says, I will take their punishment. I will take their punishment. Now, in our earthly system, we may still say, well, that person still must pay. But in God's economy, hell was never made for people. And so God says through Christ, I will spare them of this penalty through Jesus' death. And Jesus deserves sons and daughters. Jesus deserves a kingdom of saints in his citizenship, as his citizens. And so you will either, by grace, get what Jesus deserves, a kingdom which you never did deserve, or you will get hell what you deserve from your sins. Does everybody get that? I'm not saying deserts. I'm saying deserve, okay? Now, going back to that medicine, let's not change the medicine of God. Yes, there is a place called hell, but God's grace keeps us from hell. Yes, there is in the Bible penalties for sin that God gives righteous judges here on earth for us to be punished by. So the Bible actually says in Romans that we should obey the laws of the land, and if we don't, that we should expect punishment. So we should understand that even though I'm under grace, if, if I won't use myself as an example because I want to have a good lunch today with my wife, but let's say somebody decided to slap their wife, okay? They may come back and say, Jesus, forgive me, but we still need to punish them on this earth because because God said on this earth men need to fear his final judgment by seeing earthly judgment. Okay? Are you guys with me? So we don't just say everybody's forgiven in the jail system now. Let's let them out because there's grace. But Jesus lets us out of hell if we accept Christ by his grace because the punishment of hell is more than any of us could bear. Okay? Is everybody with me? Now when we look at these 24 attributes of grace, I want you to understand if you remove any of these attributes of grace, you are diluting the grace of God and making grace cheap. Make grace the grace that it's supposed to be. Keep it costly. May it be like expensive perfume that smells wonderful in your life. May it be the motivation of our lives. May it be how we run our businesses and operate in our communities. May it be how we drive in traffic. Let God's grace be defined by these 24 things and change our lives. How many are ready? Can I hear I'm ready? Amen. I'm going to read through them, and then we're going to go one by one and read each scriptures. How many are ready for that? 24 scriptures today. I'm half kidding, half kidding. I'm going to see how far I can go. Number one, the grace of God is grounded in the person of Jesus Christ. Turn with me to John 1.14. I guess I'm going to try because you guys are messing with me right now. I want to mess with you. When, you. when you don't like it, I want you to take it. If you're like, yes, give me all 24, I would have been like, oh, man, I'll just give you maybe 12 today. But now I'm going to go for all 24. Ish, are you ready for 24? I think you're the only one. Let's see how far I go. 
I'll still end at 12. You guys know that. Let, no, but seriously, I want you to see some of these. These are 24. I'll read through the ones I can't get to. Go to John chapter 1, verse 14. When you're there, say I'm there. We'll wait for our guys to get there. How about that? Look at this. John 1, 14. Look at what grace, where grace comes from. John 1, 14 talks about the word who is Jesus. And it says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. God came in the form of Jesus. This is God the Son. He makes his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. So Jesus is full of grace. So if Jesus is full of grace, where do we get grace from? Jesus. We draw grace from Jesus as well. Mankind does not have it in and of themselves. Even the imitation that an atheist, a sinner, any, anybody you would ever see imitate grace is because of God's goodness. Think of it just like this in the natural. God gave us the universe. Who does the universe belong to? Jesus, right? So whatever Bill Gates has still belongs to Jesus, right? Whatever Donald Trump has still belongs to Jesus. Okay, let's just put this. I, are you all just tired today? Because I feel like i got to explain stuff. Maybe you all should just smile and I'll move a lot quicker, okay? But let me explain this example. Imagine I have a bunch of those uh, Legos in my house, and you come to my house, and you steal those Legos, right? Then you go to your house, and you build like a cool building, a little airplane. Has anybody here ever been to Legoland, okay, or something like that? You build all of these things with my Legos. You took, whose Legos were they? They were my Legos, and you put them in your house. When, when you built it into a house, do, whose house does that belong to? Me. Why? Because they're my Legos. Are you with me? Hello, and if I want to come to that house and just crush it all down and stomp on it and take all of my Legos back, I could do that, right? So when God comes down and destroys stuff, it's his stuff, right? It's all his. You're his. You're his. You belong to him. He tells you where you're going at the end of the story, friends. The thing about life is no one gets out of it alive. Hello. You're his, whether you like it or not. Everybody can kick their heels, you know, stomp their feet, drag their heels, say, I'm not going where God wants me to. You'll do that for about 70 years with your little Lego life, but then he gets the last word. You're his. You belong, everybody belongs to him. Are you with me? Now, the same thing is spiritually. You thought about it naturally. Now, think about it spiritually. Love. Who does it belong to? God. So when you see true love in a family, where did that come from? God. When you see true love in this world, where does that come from? God, and this is the scripture that we have for this. God sends his reign, his literal earthly reign, on the just and the unjust. He causes the sun, the earthly sun, to shine on the just and the unjust. So a lot of times what people do is they get confused. They say, well, God can't be good because bad things happen to good people. That's the wrong way to think, my friends. The question that we should ask ourselves is why do good things happen to bad people? Not why do bad things happen to good people. That's real simple. There's sin. We're cursed. The land is cursed. Men's minds are corrupted. That's simple. Did you all get that? It's real simple. Why did Hitler do what he did? Because he's a lunatic. He's a maniac. There you go. But why did Hitler still have air to breathe? That's a deeper question. Why did Hitler experience the love for a woman or his mother or father while he was still as wicked as he was? Hello? The question, the real question isn't why do bad things happen to good people. The real question is why do good things happen to bad people. And it's because of God's 
grace. It's because God is sparing mankind of hell fire for as long as he can before he judged them. Hello. Otherwise, we would all be in fire right now suffering God's judgment. So next time an atheist wants to throw that back on you, ask him why do good things happen to bad people. It's only explained by the grace of God. This grace is where, uh, rather, Jesus is where grace comes from. This is what separates Jesus from every world religious leader. Every world religion, no matter how much they have tried to imitate Christianity, they cannot imitate the grace of God. They cannot. The grace of God is what separates Christianity from every other religion. I'll just talk about two right now. Hinduism and Eastern philosophy and Islam. I'll talk about the two other major religions outside of Christianity. Are you with me? In Buddhism and Hinduism, Buddha was a Hindu, so I'm just going to mix it together for this conversation. Buddha was a Hindu, and then he renounced Hinduism and made his own genre. But here is the idea of these Eastern religions, that through death and life, death and life, death and life, the reincarnation cycle, you will pay for your sins until you reach nirvana or a state of godhood. That is the difference between uh, Hinduism and Buddhism. One believes in godhood, that's Hinduism, and uh, and, uh, Buddhism is nirvana. Now, some of them shared their beliefs, so uh, they, they have so much in common. But are you tracking with me? Death and life, death and life. And so when you think about karma, karma is that what you're paying for from your past life in this life. Karma is what you're paying for now in your present life from your past life. And if you do bad things now, get ready to pay for it then. Uh, Get ready to pay for it in your next life. Okay? Now, I want uh, Ellie, I want Ellie to come up here quickly because he was with me. Going to North, uh, rather, Wright College has changed my life, and I can't wait for them to get back in class because I went out there every Monday during their breaks and talked to them about Jesus, and it's literally like a mission trip. I'm so serious. You meet people from all over the world with all different belief systems. I mean, I met people from Poland, from the Ukraine, from India, from uh, uh, Africa, from America, from down the block, and, they, and then Buddhists, Hindus, Muslims. Are you guys with me? Okay, it was all there. I want Ellie to come up quickly. You were with me when I was talking to the two gentlemen that were Hindus, right? Okay. And then I said to them this. I said to them this. The child born crippled today, the child born with a disease today is paying the price for their sins in their past life and deserve their suffering. I asked them, is that true? And they answered, yes. They said, yes. Thank you, sir. You have done so awesome. That's why he's the youth pastor. Amen. Let's give it up for Ellie. It's what he does. It's what he does. (laughs) See, karma doesn't sound so cute now, does it? Because it's without grace. You're paying for every sin. So what you have to do is pray certain prayers, go to certain temples, give certain offerings, perform certain religious functions. Why? You've got to earn your ticket out of the cycle of reincarnation. You've got to earn your way out. You're going to earn it out. That's 
the competing religion of Hinduism, which a lot of Hollywood's your friends, not all yoga is bad, but some of that yoga is attached to that. That is getting out of the karmic cycle, breaking your karmic cycle of sins in your past life. Are you with me? Islam, the biggest religion other than Christianity, Islam, teaches very much the same thing. Islam does not say, come to a father, receive a gift of salvation. Salvation is not a gift in Islam. It's not a gift. It's a reward that you earn. It's a reward. Do you understand the difference? A gift. You did nothing for it. Here's your gift. There it is. Open it up. You can waste it. You can throw it away. Uh, here's a hat. You can wear it. You can do whatever. You can burn it. It's a gift. But a reward says, I'm watching you, and I'm making sure you're doing what I'm telling you you're going to do, and I'm watching to make sure you're following all of the things I've told you to follow, and at the end of your life, if you've done those things, I'll reward you with salvation. That is why today, if you were to ask any Muslim, if you die right now, will you go to paradise? They'll say, inshallah. Only God knows. Only God knows. Why? Because on their judgment day, they have two angels they believe, which is false, but this is a belief, that two angels are with them everywhere they go in life, a good angel and a bad angel. Have you ever seen those cartoons? There's a good angel and a little devil. That's not a Christian thought. That is an Islamic thought. All throughout their life, they believe there's been a, tempte a tempter with them, a demon, and an angel helping them to do good. Whenever they've listened to the angel, the good deed has been written down. Whenever they listen to the little devil, when they've, ever, they've listened to the evil spirit, that deed has been written down. Then, in front of Allah, when they die, their good works and bad works will be placed on scales, and wherever the scales tip will be what they deserve. That is their Salvation. That is what Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses believe as well with their own ideology. Grace is missing, my friends. It's missing. In Christianity, we've had grace and now we've cheapened it. But we need to go back to understanding costly grace and adore it for what it is because it's in the person of Jesus Christ. Are there rewards in heaven? Absolutely, there are rewards in heaven. There are rewards. I'll be given rewards for what I've done, but salvation is not a reward. You will be given rewards if you have done what is right unto God on this earth, but you are not saved based on your rewards. Are you following me? Let's go back to the notes. How many are ready for number two? Can we go to number two, please? How many are ready? Come on. Okay, are you all ready? Ishmael, can you come up here and play some soft music for them? I think we'll help them get through the next 23. <laughs> the grace of God saves us unto good works. We've just read that today, so we get to go through the next one. Let's go to number three, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. The grace of God justifies us. That's also related to salvation. The grace of God gives us the forgiveness of sins. We've, we've already spoken about that. The grace of God gives us our new identity. Turn with me quickly to 1 Corinthians 15.10. 1 Corinthians 15.10. Going back to the idea of the building blocks and whose Legos are they. When we watch Blackhawks, we watch sports, we watch these, these players, 
as Christians, we love to see when they give glory to God. Take a knee, say something in a, um, a press meeting like, man, I just want to thank God for the opportunity to do this. But you may ask yourself, what's, what's going on with those who aren't thanking God? I mean, what about the team who won? Like, like the Pacquiao, what's the other guy's name? Mayweather fight. It was like God is like good versus evil. Mayweather's about the money. Pacquiao's about God. And then Pacquiao loses, right? Then everybody's like, that's unfair. That's unfair. You know, to me, I don't even know and I don't even care, okay? I don't even care. I just want to know, could I beat them up? I really want to know that. That's like my question. I want to know, could I beat them up? Because they look so skinny and they look like they just hit like little flies. I just want to know, seriously, it's a question I ask. Could I beat him up? And then the other question I ask is, could I beat up Ronda, whatever, the woman who's never lost? Now, these are the weird thoughts in, in U, at UFC. Probably Pastor would get beat down in both of those things. But I don't like being a spectator, so I think to myself, what would happen if I got into a fight with Manny Pacquiao? Do you think I would get, no, I would get beat up? Like, do you think he would just make pee, 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 pee? He just looks like he's pee, 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 pee. But he would just keep hitting me. What if I bum rushed him? What if I need him? I'm kidding. It's one of those days. By, uh, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Now watch this. Go back to the packet. There was a point to this. You may say, well, Mayweather won the fight. He didn't give glory to God, but Pacquiao did, right? So why did Pacquiao lose? Because it has nothing to do with about winning and losing boxing matches to show God's character. This is what it's about. What it's about is, are you humble enough to acknowledge that everything you have comes from God? It's not about whether or not Bill Gates says he loves God because obviously he can make money without saying he loves God. But the point is, is he humble enough to understand he would be in a hospital today without a brain if God didn't give him a brain or would already be dead. Life is a gift from God that he's using. By God's grace, Paul said, I am what I am. See, God's grace shows you that it's because of him you are what you are. You work your hardest. You do your best. You study. Uh, you do all that you can do. But you understand that at the end of the day, you didn't create yourself. You didn't give yourself a brain. We didn't create oxygen. Have you ever noticed that all the scientists that don't believe in God are still alive and breathing? How come they haven't figured out how they get to be alive and breathing yet, but yet they use their life and breath to try to disprove God? They still can't show where nothing produces something. Where did it all come from? We're going to figure it out. We're going to figure it out. And they're doing it with the brain God gave them. Let's go back to the notes. Somebody say, I am what I am by the grace of God. Amen. Here's a few more. God sets us free. Let's stop at this one. Amen. Let's stop here, and I'll read the rest of them quickly. We'll come back next week. How many are going to come back next week? Amen. We'll get all these taken care of. Open up with me quickly to Romans 6.14. The grace of God frees us from the master of sin. So if you hear somebody talking about the grace of God, but it's not connected to being free from sin, kind of think of that example of the rag or the medicine. It's lost its power. It's not really cleansing. 
It's not, it's not the grace that God gives. It's cheap forgiveness, cheap grace. Real forgiveness causes transformation. Real forgiveness causes transformation. I'm going to say that a third time. Real forgiveness causes transformation. For sin, this is Romans, for sin shall no longer be your master because you're not under the law but under grace. When I was a sinner, sin was my master. You know, sin. Here's my temper. Get mad. Do what I tell you to do. That would be my temper. Cuss. Get upset. Why do we say the F word? Because somebody said it to us when they got mad. And then sin, our temper, took advantage of and said, oh, I'm just so mad. Oh, F you. But I got a new F word to teach you because sin is not your master. The new F word is forgive you. I forgive you. But not when we were with sin. No. Sin's our master. Pornography, lust, sin's our master. Look, look over here. Come on, look, 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 look. Look, 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 look what's going on right here. Oh, look at her. Look at, see, that's what sin does. Bitterness. Do you want to get bitter or do you want to get better? Do you want to get bitter or do you want to get better? This is what sin does. Don't you know how they treated you? They don't care about you. Talk about them. Don't forgive them. That's what sin does. Sin takes us wherever it wants to go. Did you ever know that? Did you ever think about that? Why did your sins become your sins? Right? Because sin was your master. Bruce Jenner wants to become a woman right now. He is becoming a woman. He's pretending to be a woman. It's basically, he's mutilating his body to pretend to be a woman. Are you guys listening? Why? Because of sin is his master. There's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with you. You're not going to feel right. Until you do this. Now watch. What people want to do is make cheap grace. And cheap grace says, oh, sin can still be your master. You, you can let sin take you wherever it wants to take you. But all you have to do is just say you're sorry whenever you mess up. That's all you got to do. You mess up, say you're sorry. Yeah, but I can't get free from this. That's okay. You're a sinner. You're born a sinner. Nobody's perfect. You're going to be a sinner till you die. But all you got to do is just tell Jesus, I'm sorry, Jesus. I'm sorry, Jesus. Forgive me, Jesus. You know what Jesus is saying? He's saying he sets you free from the master of sin. Grace sets us free from sin. If you have been being drug around by sin, you don't understand grace. You may say, well, I understand how to be forgiven. No, you really don't. Let me tell you a couple stories about true forgiveness. You see, when I got saved, I had a problem with my temper. I cussed because sin inside of me expressed anger through vulgarity. 
Was I the only one that cussed before I met Jesus? How many cussed before you met Jesus? Raise your hand. The rest of you, you still cussing now? Or you don't know Jesus? Which one is it? Right? What happened? I got saved. I got saved. It was a real experience. I was working at a pizza delivery place. And they knew I was a Christian. And so for those first couple of days, they were testing me. Hey, Joe, I got some weed. You want to go get high with us? I got to tell everybody, I got saved 20 years ago, okay? So this is like for parents who are wondering about their kids. I didn't get saved last week or two years ago. It was 20 years ago. How many happy have I been saved for a while, amen? You don't have to arrest me. You don't have to put me in jail. This is a long time ago, okay? But this is my story. It's my story. I got to share a testimony here. So they're messing with me on the job. Provoking me, Pastor, I mean, Pastor Joe, we got weed. You want to go get high? No, I don't. I'm a Christian now. You know, I'm a Christian now. And then you know what they did? They ostracized me. They pushed me out of their group, and then they started to make fun of me. And people that knew a few weeks ago, I would have dropped them like it was hot, are now up in my face provoking me. You know, like when things go wrong, you know. Like, man, you mess it up, you stupid B. How many dudes know you don't like to be called a B by any dude? Like, you call me a B, it's like, like, you just riled me. I want to, like, kick you in the teeth right now. Like, who's your B? I'll show you who's your daddy. I'm going to show you who your daddy is. Oh, but they would call me that little nasty name. I just want to punch him. And then one day my manager, blamed me for something they did. Like they left out the cheese or something. It was like just stupid. And she's like, you left out the cheese and you're dumb and you should. She's cussing me out. Oh man, I lost it. I lost it. I, I, I went back to BC days before Christ. I started cussing. I didn't slap her and get put in jail, praise God. I've never hit a woman except when I was a child. One time gave her a bloody nose. That was Sonia and she forgave me. But anyways, it's another story. But I've never did it since then. <laughs> pray for your pastor. Pastor, we pray for you every day. So you know why God uses me as a pastor? Because God's like, if I can do it in him, I can do it in you guys. Trust me. Like, I'll give him the mic. And if I can do it in him, he can, I'll do it in you, okay? So, I mean, I'm like cussing. I'm swearing. But here's grace. You know what grace is? Grace says you're not supposed to do that. Grace convicted me. For the first time that I can ever, ever remember getting convicted for my temper, I didn't know what to do with it. I went to my wife and I go, uh, my, my mom, I went to my mom 20 years ago. I, it's like, I went to my mom and I go, and I'm like almost crying. I'm an 18-year-old, former drug dealer, arrested eight times, crazy dude. Are you listening? I'm not like the baddest of the bads, but I'm still kind of bad. Maybe I hung around those dudes, but you know what I'm saying. You know, okay. Anyways, I was bad, but not really bad, but I was bad enough to go to my mom and go, this is weird. I go, I, I feel like crying. I'm like talking to my mom. I'm like, I feel like crying. I said, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with me. I said, I, I and she said, what happened? I go, I cussed out my manager. She goes, you're not supposed to do that. And I go, I, I, I know, but why do I feel so bad? She says, that's God. 
She said, you're not going to feel better until you call her up and say you're sorry. How many dudes know what I'm talking about when I say saying sorry to the person you just cussed out is the last thing you ever, ever want to do in life? How many women, men know what I'm talking about? Like I'm thinking I'm going to call the manager. Like what is, the, what is this going to sound like? Hello, manager. I'm sorry I cussed you out. I'm sorry I called you. Like, I don't even know what to say. I'm literally, this is for real. I'm telling my mom, I don't even know what to say. She said, call her up and tell her you're sorry. And tell her you know you shouldn't have treated her that way. I called up the woman with almost tears coming down my eyes. I say what I had to say, and she goes, well, you're still fired. And then she hung up on me, and I was still fired. But I have never cussed out someone again. 20 years. See, God transformed me. Now, we'll talk about my temper another time. Oh, snickerdoodles, what is wrong with you, Pete? Remember I call people by wrong names just to get them mad, you know, just silly names. Steve, one time we were playing volleyball at the church picnic, and they kept playing volleyball, this, these, these, these gringos. They were messing it up, okay? They just kept playing. It's like, hey, Tom, pass me the ball. And I'm like, when do we get to play? And they're like, oh, we got, we got the court. And I'm like, no, you don't. I'm like, we get the court, and I'm just being serious. I'm just going to I'm going to get it a little racialist right now, okay? Like all of my Latino gente gangbangers and everybody from the church, they were all like hiding. They were hiding. You know you guys were hiding. They're like, oh, gringo Steve told us we couldn't play on the court. So I had to walk down. You wouldn't have did that, I know. But I had to walk down with the volleyball, and I didn't even know the dude's name. His name might have been Tom or something. I walked right down to, this is in Wisconsin, they were scared because it's woods, you know, they, have, they haven't been out in the woods before. So I'm like, I walk right down to the volleyball court, and I'm like, hey, Steve. He's like, my name's not Steve. I'm a Steve, I don't care. <laughs> Boom, we're next, Steve. That's me losing my temper as a Christian, okay? <laughs> they were like, but we got the next game, didn't we? And you did have my back. I was, I was behind you. By 10 feet. Yeah, by 10 feet. Yeah, <laughs> like, here I am from the cornfields of Fort Wayne confronting all these dudes by myself. Here's another thing. Here's another thing. My daughter yesterday was at the park, and she gets hit by a child and then comes running to the, the, the backyard. This has nothing to do with grace, but it has to do with defending yourself. Are you guys tracking with me right here? And, and she came. She was so upset. I never thought I would get that angry, but I did. But I felt. God tell me, don't go to jail today. Amen. <laughs> so maybe it does have to do with grace. So I felt God tell me, don't go to jail today, Joe. You don't want to do that. Y'all you, you would stop coming to the church if I went to jail for that. And I started teaching my daughters how to fight. And I'm like, I'm going to teach you how to fight. Now, how many parents are going to teach their children how to fight? Am I the only one? Okay, so I'm like teaching my daughters how to fight. And then I'm like, at the end, I'm like, I want to get you guys some boxing gloves, too, so you guys can fight. And, and, then, and then Bethany goes, can I get pink ones? I'm like, yes, you can. If you want pink, let's all stand to our feet. How many happy for the grace of God? Let's give it up for Jesus. I guess I did have to do something with grace. Don't go to jail today. 
and I didn't, I didn't find the parent, but I was going to talk to the parent, and I was just going to simply say, did you know your child hit my daughter? And if he would have been like, no, I didn't know your child hit my, my, my son hit your daughter, then I would have been like, that's, you know, but now you know. Now you know. So I want him to apologize, and then I'm hoping the guy would have apologized. You know what I'm saying? If he wouldn't have apologized, it would have been on. I would have said something like, where did he learn his manners from? How many think I would have been justified in that? When does it go too far is the question. I don't know. I would have said, like, well, where did he learn his manners from, Steve? Did he learn from you? But here was the funny part. Can I get the band up here? Just be patient with me, guys. Just give me grace today. You know what was funny, though? This is what was funny. I've lived in Humble Park, Lawndale and Potomac. I lived by uh, Addison or whatever. I've lived in all these places. But here I was pedaling on my bike in Hoffman Estates, <laughs> looking for this dude in a purple shirt, little kid, so I could talk to his mommy and daddy and help them realize that sin is no longer his master, that he could be free by grace. Amen. How many love Jesus? Can we go back to the notes in closing today? I think I just wanted to bear my heart with you guys. I'm sorry if I was a little too silly. But uh, we'll go through all of these next week. How many want to come back next week and learn some more of these? Amen. Can I just show this to you in closing? Out of the fullness of Christ, talking about Jesus, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For us in the body of Christ today, we can be confident that God has enough grace for all of us. But let true transformation come to your heart. Let true costly grace change your life. And let's live it out every day. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for your grace. I thank you that you've helped us to see it a little bit more clearer today. I pray now that we'll live it out. Altar workers, would you come, please? Let's live it out today, Jesus. And before we leave, show us maybe one or two areas in our life that need to change by your grace. Before you go right now, would you look at your heart and see if there's any areas that need to change? Anything in your life that needs to change by God's grace right now, come on, just think about it. Temper, attitude, how we treat our neighbors, how we are on the job. You know, the grace of God says you can change. The grace of God says you can live a new life. The grace of God says you and I don't have to be the same people we were yesterday. I want to be fair. I want to be just. I want to protect my kids, but I want to do it all by the grace of God. That's what I'm praying today. I want to treat my wife with the grace of God. I want to be patient with her. I don't want to be easily angered. I want to pastor this church by the grace of God. I want to be patient with people when they don't always treat me the way I treat them. I want to be gracious. Right now, as you're thinking of those areas, would you say, Lord, by your grace, would you change me and use me to live the life that you want me to live? Right now, would you say that to God? I want to live out by, I want to live my life by the grace of God, out of the grace of God, from the grace of God. Right now, God, transform our lives by your grace. We are your workmanship. God, work on us and this week and this month, and let us grow in grace. Let us grow in your grace. Let us mature in your grace. In your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Can you give him a hand clap, amen? Come on, God is good. Would you slap your neighbor high five and say it's all about the grace of God? Amen. Have a great week. Sorry for keeping you late. 
But we got to pray up here if you need some prayer or worship. Otherwise, you're dismissed. Enjoy your day. Amen. Take us there. If you need prayer for anything, we're up here. We love you. The grace of God is here for you. Amen. Let's worship together. Just come or worship with us today. Turn your eyes to Jesus.